This is Dino Dan from Cypress, California, and you're watching the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you right here on this very show. Uh, Should you see fit of jumping in this evening through phone calls or emails, hear how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up. In about, oh, wait a second. Automatically update. Oh, yeah, we don't want that. See, it's giving away part of the whole thing there already. Oh, jeez. Anyway, um, coming up on the show this evening, in about 12 minutes from now, a new sponsor of the show here over the last couple weeks, and hopefully for the foreseeable future, building some of the most pristine and succulent offset and pellet cookers on the market today. Ryan Zabril from Pits and Spits will be joining me. First timer to the show. We had Koi on, uh, it was probably well over a year ago. So uh, we now have the other half of the Pits and Spits teams. I don't know if he's Pits or Spits. But we will call him Ryan, and we'll be joining him in about 11 minutes from now. Then, at 35 past the hour, we'll get into a little competition barbecue stuff. Remember, all the way back in the day, the show was pigeonholed as a competition-only show. So to show respect for the roots, we will go back and do a little competition talk. However, there is a little bit different spin and or agenda on this one. I'll be talking with now two-time grand champion in a row this past weekend, the weekend before that. The pitmaster of getting basted, Brad Leiniger, joins me. So we'll talk about the last couple of wins that he's had. But more importantly, since he is a very well-known name here within the industry, very formidable competition cook, finishing very high in Team of the Year categories for many years, always a threat to win no matter what competition he goes to. I want to get his take on how the competition scene is feeling as over the past couple weeks as things have started to reopen. What does the competition feel like right now? 
What are the other teams talking about? What is he talking about? What are they doing at these events? Who's in charge of what? What safety measures are or not being put in place? We'll also talk about the restaurant. He's got a very successful restaurant that's happening as well. So plenty to talk to Brad about. So he's 35 past, and we'll move to the second hour. And joining me will be, I believe, third-time guest to the show, but her husband will be first-time guest to the show, Susie and Todd Bullock. Hey, Grill, hey. For the second hour, if you watch television, especially the Food Network like a lot of us do, Susie had a television show debut Saturday, 1030 Eastern, following the uh, Pioneer Lady. So great spot. We'll talk to her about that as well. So we'll see how it all came together and how much creative control the Hay Grill Hay team had versus the Food Network. And if it's a one-off show or if this is a pilot of a series that we'll be seeing, we'll talk about Fourth of July. We'll talk about their unique relationship and being married, but also being business partners and how that whole thing evolved. So plenty to talk about in the second hour. It's going to be a great second hour. So make sure you tune in. If you miss it, make sure you get it on podcast. So. That's what's happening tonight. Ryan Zabril, Brad Leiniger, and Susie and Todd Bullock in the second hour. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I have found a app in my streaming service. I'm just finding out about it now. That does allow me to see the Facebook chat, for instance. I see that uh, Dennis Busso just said something, um, so I can uh, and I can show that. I believe. See, Dennis is saying uh, "Hey all," and here's John Solberg saying something to uh, Sylvie Curry. Uh, that's not showing. Yeah, there it is, right there. And uh, we have uh, Scott and David Reitenbaugh. Hello from Pittsburgh. This is fun stuff that we're finding out about. I'm gonna. Am I allowed to change the time it takes? Oh, wait, wait, no, I don't want to close that. All right. So I'll be able to mod. I don't know how much I'm going to mix. I mean, that seems like an awful lot of work just to get there, but uh, we'll see how things are going and if I can mix in a a uh, question, but it, it appears I'm seeing some kind of a of a Facebook chat within this app, so... I'm, we're almost there. For as much as I hated you, well, I didn't like YouTube for stealing my bandwidth, but I did like the the chat. So here is a Facebook opportunity for me. I'll monitor. We'll see how it goes. I can't promise you're going to get up on the screen. I mean, who even cares? I got an email question, and it reads this way. Dear Greg, I have a question. With Smithfield being owned by China and the swine flu issued on the news... Should we think twice about purchasing their products? Thank you, Teresa. Teresa, the answer simply is no. Should not be thinking twice about purchasing. If you're going to think twice about purchasing pork because of the swine flu, that should also encompass every other pork manufacturer out there, not simply because Smithfield. And I am absolutely tired of hearing... The whole Smithfield is owned by China. I mean, show me something that isn't owned by China. We all want to buy American. I get it. We feel good. We're Americans. Buy American. But let's look at it realistically here. Smithfield owned by China, sure. But how many 
American pig farmers are they employing? A lot. So there are a lot of jobs that count on Smithfield operating regardless of ownership. And yes, they are a sponsor of the show, but I'm here to tell you that if you decide that you don't want to buy Smithfield to stick it to China, there's a lot of American pork farmers that could bear the brunt of that. I certainly understand it. As I said, I want to buy American just like the next guy. But don't be scared of buying a Smithfield product because of swine flu. That's the first time hearing about it, by the way. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly, don't concern yourself with Smithfield being owned by China. That happened in 2013. It's not something new. Uh, The product is still really good. I don't know how widely available it is because of the other virus or flu or whatever you want to call it. But they employ a tremendous amount of pork farmers across this great land. So let's not cut off the nose despite our face. Hopefully that answers your question, Teresa. Thank you for writing in. Also, last week I had mentioned as I was out to the American Royal for a status update on that event, especially seeing Memphis in May and the jack go down in successive weeks. Not getting a reply before the show last week. We were left to speculate during the EC segment on if it was going to happen or not. However, tonight, I have something to share. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right. Greg Rampey reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, with an official statement for the American Royal and Emily Park. And a quote, As of today, the American Royal has no intent to cancel the World Series of Barbecue in 2020. We plan on hosting the competition at the Kansas Speedway in September. We are evaluating the special events and contest components that occur throughout the weekend and are planning on revising some programming to ensure safety to our guests. If the barbecue were to be canceled, it would be based on the status of COVID-19 and restrictions beyond our control. And we would hope that this would be determined no later than the end of July. We're working closely with Wyandotte County, the Kansas Speedway, and KCBS to evaluate all the areas of the contest and prepare and create updated event plans. Once again, that is from Emily Park. So currently it's still on. I said I thought initially last week it was 50-50. That release would lend me to believe 50-50 might have been the right choice out of the gate, but of course I backed out of it and went 100% that it would not happen. And the way things are spooling up across the nation as it relates to coronavirus, I'm still going to maintain that I just can't see this thing happening. Unless they put the event on at MKC in the field out there. That's the airport. Plenty of space out there, but as Emily said, they plan on having it be Kansas Speedway. And I'm not talking about the team spacing. I'm talking more judging. That that would appear to be the bigger issue. You can separate teams and all that stuff. Anyway, right now, the American Royal is on in September. And if there's going to be a cancellation, they hope to know by the end of July. Meanwhile, if you need competition in your life, have you been honing your home skills cooking? During this particular time, put them to good use in the Walmart Cooking Challenge. That's right. Share your very best kitchen creations, and you might just win a $250 Walmart gift card. You don't need a $250 Walmart gift card right now? Of course you do. 
Walmart chefs include Darcy Boss, Anthony Serrano, Eric Harland, and Lydia... Oh, man, I'm sorry, Lydia. Had... Hadadian? I'm sorry. I don't know that name. Here's all you have to do. Go to walmart.com slash cooking challenge. Watch the four talented chefs create delicious, customizable recipes for inspiration. And then make your own. You can make substitutions. Why not? Submit it up. And you could possibly win a $250 Walmart gift card. Once again, the website, walmart.com slash cooking challenge. Once again, walmart.com slash cooking challenge. The contest ends at 11.59 p.m. Eastern on July 31st. So we got just about a month. I know Diane Mee is going to take part in the Walmart challenge. I see Rusty Monson in. He's going to take part as well, I'm sure. John Solberg loves to win $250 gift cards. Come on. We all love it. All right. Ryan Zobrel coming up out of the break. And we will be right back. Stick around. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, and barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All the Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. Always trust your butcher. By the way, Dave has a two-part podcast out right now. So if you love two-part podcasts, got to subscribe. Got to do it over that. Hey, who loves grills and smokers? We do. We love them so much that most of us have multiples of them in our backyards right now. Perhaps you're in the market for a new one, an offset or a pellet cooker, perhaps. My next guest makes both, and they're really sexy. One of the newest sponsors of the show. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome in first-timer to the show, Ryan Zobrillo. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm absolutely fabulous, Ryan. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening. And before we get into pits and spits specifically, since uh, this is your first time on the show, we had Coy on the last time. A little background about you personally, where you grew up, things you've been in professionally, and ultimately how you get into the pit building business. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a small town uh, about an hour and a half west of Houston called Belleville. Um, about 3,000 people, you know, kind of uh, somewhat of a rural rural kind of agricultural upbringing was an ag growing up you know and took all the welding classes and that type of stuff um ended up actually graduating from uh the university of texas at austin with a degree in finance which is kind of what brought me to houston back in 2010 um kicked around in finance for a few years and decided that uh i kind of wanted to be on more of the small business side which is how uh i got into pits and spits and so it was for sale in 2014 and ended up buying it. And that's, that's kind of the rest is, you know, kind of what you see today. 
Was it for sale by the original owner or had it changed hands? No, so it, it's changed hands several times, probably five or six different times, just kind of oh, different wow. iterations of, uh, of Pits and Spits um, from kind of the product offering. I mean, we still get calls all the time from people that have the original smokers from, you know, 83, some even kind of earlier than that before wow. it was formerly Pits and Spits and was kind of in its formate, uh, kind of formative years. Um, but it's gone through five or six different ownership groups. And then we, we're kind of pursuing the original path that the original owners had, which is more of the, you know, focus on the backyard, uh, kind of a more distributable product as opposed to big, crazy custom stuff all the time. When it's changed hands that many times, and I'm sure you're doing due diligence before you make a purchase like this, is there any trepidation in your mind that how come there's been so many changes of hands and if I get into it, what am I going to bring to the table that's going to be any different? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in for us, that was part of what made it attractive, right, was that we uh, they, they were really focused almost completely on um, – the kind of large custom trailers, which if you're in the Houston area, you know, especially the Texas area, that's kind of what we were known for up until, up until really the pellet grill came out. Uh, and our, our view is it's a great, um, product offering, but, uh, we really wanted something that we could, you know, scale more. So Houston is a pit building city, perhaps unlike any other. Some of the most legendary pit makers in the country are in Houston. Close, Gator, pit maker, the list goes on. I would uh, ask if the market there is saturated. However, you getting into the business and continuing to sell cookers along with all those other companies that are uh, perhaps uh, the better question is how are you finding the business climate right now? So this time, you know, this exact moment in time is pretty interesting. You know, going into March, you know, we were at HPBA, uh, we were in you know, New Orleans kind of doing our, our typical spring type stuff, seeing all the new stuff out there. And, uh, you know, the rodeo got canceled, which is a big event for us. And we were pretty, you know, pretty worried, pretty concerned, but, um, I think what happened was now most people have actually been stuck at home. And so they're kind of justifying that either saying, yeah, maybe I can you know, have, buy more of a, <laughs> a luxury smoker or grill for the backyard or just maybe accelerating that purchase that they kind of never got around to doing in the first place. Um, so we've actually been uh, we're very fortunate to be very busy um, this spring. So we're hoping that that uh, that's kind of, you know, keeps pace for us. From a high level, Ryan, what does Pits and Spits stand for in the market? What are some of the marquee items that stick out to you when you hear that name? Sure. So our kind of the the items that we were found founded on were, were backyard kind of stick burners, so offset smokers, or we have a what we call a combo smoker, which is the firebox is actually underneath. And so what that does gives you a smaller footprint where you can either have a stick burner but also a charcoal grill in the same unit. Uh, and so that, that's what for 30 years, you know, we made and what everyone knew, knew us for, and we'll randomly run into vendors or new customer, you know, re- repeat customers, or just, uh, people that have had these in their yard for, you know, decades. Um, but just kind of fundamentally what, what we really try and focus on is, uh, you know, quality, uh, craftsmanship and consistency. Um, 
and, and when we say consistency, we, we mean that kind of on both sides, you know, in the shop and then once it's out of the shop, meaning that uh, we're, we're turning out, you know, high quality product, you know, over and over. Uh, and a lot of times that's basically just by doing the simple things right, meaning um, instead of focusing on a bunch of automated high tech equipment and stamping and that type of stuff, it's, it's guys that have been working there 20 years and welding, you know, and, and we're running our Accu shears that have been around for, um, you know, 30 years, right? Some of them, you can't even get parts for them, but luckily they, back then when they made this type of equipment, they were meant to last, you know, 30 or 40 years. So, um, we, we think that that really comes through in our builds. And so if you're out of state, uh, and we don't really have the option to kind of send one to you on a, uh, what we would consider, you know, kind of our local delivery, you know, we, we pick, we create these things and you get it and it, it comes off of a truck in a big crate and it's fully welded. And it's wow. like, it's, it's substantial, you know, like when you, we, we know that we have a, a, we know we have a real price tag on it. And so we want you to feel that as soon as you touch this thing or feel it and even see it, right. You know, we, we try and take, take, take the care to grind down and polish all of our welds so that you look at it and you kind of question, was this thing bent or was this welded? <laughs> and then you look at the gauge of the steel, it's, you know, three sixteenths inch steel. It's probably wasn't, it probably wasn't bent or stamped, you know? No doubt. Ryan's Brill joining me here on the show from Pits and Spits. Pitsandspits.com is the website and socially at Pits and Spits, all spelled out if you want to check them out. From a traditional or offset, uh, what are your sizes that you're offering and, and what are the most popular sizes right now? So we don't use any, uh, we don't use any pipe or, uh, you know, tanks the way some guys do. Um, so I'm going to speak in inches as opposed to gallons. All right. Um, so we work with, uh, our two most popular would be a, a 24 inch diameter and then either a 36 inch in length, you know, cooking chamber or a 48 inch, uh, cooking chamber. We also have a, a, a size smaller that is, uh, kind of an oblong 18 inch diameter. So if it were round, it would be 18 inches, but it's actually, uh, 24 inches tall. Uh, and then 30 inches long. And then we, we do have some larger stuff as well for the, you know, competition or catering style, uh, you know, event trailers. That's a, a 30 by 60 or even, you know, a 40 by 60. Ryan, how many of the JP models are you selling a year? Uh, really? Uh, that's not a high volume product for us, but it's a, we, it's interesting. We get a lot of, uh, of, uh, questions on those features. It's, it's, and that was kind of what Jess and I talked about when she designed it originally was, I was like, Jess, you're going to open up a can of worms yeah. and all of a sudden we're going to get these, you know, we're going to be trying to have people focus on this you know, specific repeatable product and they're going to be like, Oh, well, can I add the shelf for the storage box or whatever? Um, so it's, it's a, it's a fun product. That's for sure. How do you work around that? I mean, I, I can see where, so when you talk about these kind of pits, the allure and the attraction, uh, whether it's a Pits and Spits or any of the other ones that I had mentioned, is there's a framework in a lot of these different websites that you can go to. But ultimately, what it draws people in, and is the allure, as I had mentioned, is the fact that you can make it wildly customizable. It can really become Greg's pit or Ryan's pit yeah. or Jess's pit. So how do you uh, work around somebody that wants a lot of the Jess Smoker stuff, but they want it on not the Jess Smoker signature series? <laughs> Well, so what we try to do is, and, and I think, you know, if you were to go to our website and try and 
customize something, you know, we don't really have that, that we don't offer kind of the impersonal customization. And so if you're going to, when someone has that approach, if they say, you know, I want a, a Maverick 1250 pellet grill, but I want this stainless steel side shelf with the peach paper holder. Well, we're, we, we kind of invite and are set up in the way that people call in and talk to Koi and, or talk to me if I'm, you know, able to, if I'm not doing the fun back office stuff, mm, yeah, right. it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's typically Koi they're talking to, but we really try and kind of guide them to, uh, you know, what they really want as opposed to kind of what they might think they want. And, and a lot of times it ends up kind of leading them away from that customization. And, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to, you know, price and risk, meaning, um, you know, when, when we freight these things, uh, we're typically eating half of the freight costs. Wow. And so if you start to add some of this customization on, it throws off some of your density numbers and all of a sudden that, pre- that freight doubles. And, you know, we're not just not big enough that we can go eat that every time. And so as we start to kind of pass that along to the customer, it kind of, they mm. kind of start to understand, say, okay, look, I get it. You know, I think <laughs> the removable side shelf is going to be fine for me or, yeah. you know, they, they kind of understand that, you know, conceptually it, it's simple, but once you start to kind of put it into action and do it and the kind of costs associated with it, um, people tend to kind of end up, end up backing off of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ryan's a brill joining me here on the show. All right. So, Pellet cooker popularity. I mean, you see the market gain steam. You guys actually jump in. When did you decide to offer a pellet product? So uh, in 2015, I believe, is when when the idea was kind of conceived. Um, basically, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we had this. Uh, the majority of our business was a uh, highly customizable trailer line, right? And so we're we're selling those here in Houston to mostly oil and gas companies. Mm. So oil goes from a when it was at hundred, that's a fantastic business to be in. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, when it goes to 20, it's a, your phone doesn't really ring too much. So when that happened, when this was kind of my first, uh, frontline experience on the downturn, um, we w- were trying to figure out pretty quickly, you know, what, what were we going to do to, you know, survive and grow and really achieve the kind of, general business goals we had for ourselves. And I looked around and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I was probably like most people in that when I saw pellet smokers or cookers or grills or, you know, whatever kind of follows the word pellet, uh, I was a naysayer and I thought, you know, this is a fad and this is <laughs> kind of cheating, whatever. Uh, but Thought about it a little bit more. Uh, went to HPBA it just as kind of a guest, you know, just a one-off type trip, yep. just to look around. It's my first one, and I was just saw a few more brands there and the type of you know booths they had and the scale they had, and I thought, well, they must be really doing something. So I talked to a couple of dealers, um, and at that time it was not a huge deal in Texas, uh, and so we j- just kind of tiptoed into it. You know, bought a hopper off the internet strapped it onto one of our uh, offset smoker barrels and just kind of ran with it. And we did it with some uh, kind of hesitancy and some uh, some caution for uh, probably the first 18 months. And then in December of 2017 is when we rolled out uh, you know, our Maverick line and then 
it kind of ever since then we went from being single digit to you know 10 15 percent pellet to mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's you know 90 percent of our business really yeah wow uh, it completely took off. Not that it's the same, uh, but from a comparison standpoint, during the day I sell Peterbilt trucks. So uh, when I'd started with this dealership five years ago, I think out of 10 trucks, one was automated or automatic. And then you fast forward to 2020 here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if I'm selling uh, one standard transmission now out of 10 trucks. So they, they all might be automated or automatic. So it's just the way that the, the market flushes and it, you got to adapt. It's crazy. And I mean... Um, you know, hats off to guys like Traeger who went and they didn't say, let's just go grow our brand. They said, let's go grow the market. And when they did that, it, it, we were kind of just positioned well to be the guys in Texas that were geared up for it. And we're able, we had a few dealers already and, um, were able to have the, you know, the, the made in Texas kind of stamp behind us. And so it just worked, it just lined up really well for us. Operationally, I'm sure there's many similarities in regards to high level function, but what makes the pits and spits pellet cooker stand out in your estimation? So the first thing that people are going to notice, like I mentioned earlier, is the construction. And so that when we designed this, I mean, the metal work and kind of the general, uh, you know, framework and structure of it was done. This was a 30-year-old proven smoker design that uh, we based it off of. And so if you were to look at our, you know, one of our 1250 uh, Mavericks, our pellet grill, and compare it to a 2436 offset smoker, literally the same body, same lid, same, you know, cooking chamber, everything. Mm. Um, so it's that heavy gauge, fully welded, you know, built like a tank type approach. Uh, and then on the, uh, you know, the electronic side of it, because we stepped into it slowly and didn't just jump in, you know, and say like, we, we definitely figured it out on the fly. That's for sure. But, uh, we didn't want to do something that to hurt the brand or to kill the brand. So we wanted to do it correctly. Um, and so because of that, we took our time and found, uh, a great, you know, great partners in, the the uh, controller space, you know, Roanoke, who a lot of people have used and a lot of people have grown with. Um, and they were able to, you know, tune and kind of customize a controller for our uh, specific models. And it, it's been it's been great. And we're really happy with it. Uh, so we think that we have really, you know, we have from the controller, you know, combined with our heavy gauge uh, steel and down to the deflector plate placement and, you know, the drip pans, uh, we think that we just have you know superior temperature control, uh, just the kind of general longevity longevity of the uh, smoker and grill as compared to you know some of these imported brands. When you look at them, it's just you're not going to get the same life or performance out of it. Uh, Ryan, how are you fit for models in the pellet cooker? Do you have a couple different ones to choose from, or is there one size and that's it? So we have. Uh, we have three models, kind of three base models, I'll call them, uh, each one of which you can add an, an upright smoke box to. Uh, and then now kind of over those six models, you can get each one of those in stainless. So being down here in Houston, we do a lot of humidity. We're, you know, an hour from the coast. Yeah. Um, we're, we have, you know, strong connections to Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, kind of everyone along the Gulf coast. And so, uh, 
we do have a full stainless line and we really think that they're they're I will be the first to admit they are pricey, but they are fantastic. I mean, beautiful machines. They they run great. That's probably the the part of the pellet uh, line I'm the most proud of. Uh, and then we've actually uh, released something called what we call the Meat Locker. Uh, and this was Koi's uh, idea. I will admit that I was <laughs> reluctant because uh, when you oh. start talking about something the size of a, of a refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of scratching my head at, you know, who's going to put that in their backyard, but it's been great. I guess, you know, we got, we, we connect wirelessly to the guys at at Roanoke and they tune it for us. And it's got, it, it is purely a smoker as opposed to a grill. And it's (laughs) kind of giving us, um, our first taste or, uh, you know, access to some more commercial applications. Um, so that's been, that's been a really fun, interesting part of the line to expand into this year. So, Basically, from 2017 to now, we went from two models uh, to, you know, if you kind of did a total skew count, it's something like, uh, you know, 12 or 15. What kind of a lead time are you looking at right now if you order pellet cookers? Right now, we're getting back down to our four or five week lead time. Uh, That's where we were when we went into uh, March. Um, But then, you know, and obviously very thankful to have the support from all of our customers, but things just kind of grew faster than, than we were, uh, things moved faster than we were kind of expecting and prepared for. And so we, we stretched a few out to kind of six and seven weeks. So we're, we're working to get that back down to the four and five range. And honestly, by this fall, we hope to be at kind of a two week lead time to even having, you know, some inventory of our more standard models. All right. Uh, Ryan's real joining me here on the show. Pits and spits.com is the website. At Pits and Spits on social media, if you want to see those pits out in the wild and if you're ready to pull the trigger, go ahead and hit them up and get that order in so you can get started on that lead time. Ryan, always appreciate the time and the support of the show, and let's do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. You got it. There he is, Ryan from Pits and Spits right there. Yeah, baby. Love it. Great conversation there. Good insight, of course. So if you are in the market for a stainless steel, really nice pit, Pits and Spits is going to be the place you want to check out, no doubt about it. What do I do with the other side of this? Oh, cripes. It's here somewhere. There it is. So now we have, uh, we've come whole with Pits and Spits. We had Koi on. It might have been 2017, and... Now we got the other side, Ryan. Dude, uh, I'm all man, but he is one handsome dude. Wow. He should be on models and spits. Handsome. All right, folks, uh, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers before we get over to Brad Leininger at Getting Basted. They have a curated selection of great outdoor cooking items that will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. 13 perfectly balanced rubs if you need them. Flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and backyard. Big Papa Smokers offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors, as I had said before. Also, if you're looking for a new sauce, if you're tired of what's out there on the market right now, well, forget about all that stuff. you got to try Granny's Barbecue Sauce. It's the greatest. Not only is it great by itself, it's also good if you want to use it as a base sauce and then tweak from there. Now, aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. 
If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, you want to check out that Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa's is the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M-Grill is just what you need. They're built like tanks. If you're not sure of what grill you need, give them a call, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. Brad Leininger coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. That's a flying cat right there. It's a flying kitty. Kitten. Flying kitten. We now have four cats. Yay. We're back right after this. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, the number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers like Pits and Spits or Green Mountain Grills or the Mac. Or whatever pellet cooker you got. Cooking pellets is the only pellet that you should be putting in there. Eats them all, buddy. Eats them all. Cookingpellets.com is the website. Also an app, so get that too. My next guest is sitting in fourth place overall. KCBS Team of the Year right now. And who knows what that's going to look like by the time the year ends. Something we'll talk to him about here in a few minutes this past weekend. He grabbed the GC at the Grillin' and Chillin' event in Chillicothe, Missouri against 33 other teams here to talk about the weekend. And Competition Barbecue in general is the pitmaster of getting basted competition team. It is Brad Leininger. Hey, Brad. Hey, Greg. How are you? Look, let's cut right to the chase here, Brad, because I hear people saying your last name all over God's podcast earth, and we are going to set it straight here right now. I believe I am saying it 100% correctly. It's Leiniger, right? That is 100% correct. Of course. These other people are schmucks, Brad. Let's start naming them by name. Ready? You start. All right, well, never yeah, mind that. Anybody's ever got it right. No. You're you're the first one no. to get it right. Look, as somebody so who everybody else. As somebody who has a last name that appears to be very easy to enunciate, it's probably for some reason harder than Leiniger to get right. Everybody wants to add letters to it. It's very annoying. So I do take a little bit more precaution with last names and trying to say them right. Nevertheless, I had mentioned the GC this past weekend, but you're actually running two in a row streak right now. You win the Ozark Barbecue Fest in Springfield, Missouri, uh, about two weeks ago there, 26 teams. So you appear to remain dialed in when it comes to the competitions, and we can talk about how the events look and feel in a few minutes, but just from a getting out and cooking feel, how nice is it to do what you love doing? Oh, it's great to get out. It's great to see everybody. Uh, You know, great to get back into the competition setting. Uh, The good news is, though, is that, you know, we did a lot of projects uh, during, you know, the, the quarantine period, you know, Matt Walker and I did a live class. Uh, we've done, I, I was, I cooked the last contest, you know, in a, in a Latha before, uh, the, it hit in March and then came out and cooked in, in Warsaw, Indiana. So I really, 
I mean, I had the, probably the longest break I've had, you know, of a couple months in competition barbecue, but, but I managed to cook quite a bit. So I, that's why I think I've, I've come out pretty sharp and, and ready to go where other people might be, you know, just rounding in the, in the mid-season form. A, a break in competitions in the events themselves, but doesn't mean a break in cooking and keeping those skills honed, which is probably key to any team's success, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's a rhythm to it. You know, there's a rhythm to everything from finding your meat, uh, from how, when you put things together, from getting to the contest, and just from, from spacing and timing your day. And so just staying sharp and having that, you know, fresh in your mind definitely gives you a leg up on the competition. It gives you some confidence. I mean, that's a big part of cooking, too, is, is confidence to know what you're going to put in the box and know what you're trying to execute. Brad Leininger joining me here on the show from Getting Basted. So this past weekend's results, fifth chicken, you win ribs with a perfect score of 180, you get a ninth pork. A third brisket. Were the ribs uh, what they call a perfect perfect? No, I got a uh, 1-8 in tenderness on that to keep me from getting a, a perfect perfect. So whatever that was, that last judge was 34, 34 point whatever. So uh, he must have missed that one. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive him. What a dick. How dare he? Everybody's <laughs> yeah. got to be different. There's always that one bag in the tent that's got to be like, you know, not perfect, perfect. It's something, there was one speck of something on there that he didn't like. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. I think, I think he definitely missed it, but. Uh... There, Brad? Yep, I think I got you now. Oh, okay. I lost you for a second there. That's I'm all right. Here. Yeah, we don't need to bash judges. That's all right. I, I I understand what's happening. So, have you made any significant changes to the program that you are running compared to last year, or is it pretty much the same? No, I mean I'm running pretty much. I I, I went back on my brisket and I kind of started running some of my 2015, 2016 brisket recipes, wow. just because and I, I have a tendency to do that. But that's really the only major change I've made. Everything else, chicken. Uh, ribs, pork. I'm running the same stuff I've been running really the last couple of years. It's been about been about the same thing. You talk to a lot of teams out there. Have you or have there been any big flavor changes that you either notice or hear people talking about that weren't happening a year or so ago, or is it still a lot of the same, more or less? No, I think it's a lot of the same. You know, I mean, we, you know, the, the same people are teaching classes. Uh, you know, the homogenization continues, so to speak. But um, I think of anything right now, there might be stuff. And I think kind of Fred Robles kind of started it in Darren Worth, where, you know, on some of the meats, you're trying to get a little bit of char. And, and you know, we're canned guys, so we've always got a little bit of that. And, and those Jambo guys actually, you know, I know Fred brings a PK around, and, and Darren actually does use a gateway drum. And they kind of brought us back to our roots where at the end they'll finish things up and put a little more smoke on it and, and put a little bit of char on there. And, you know, what, what Tim Shear and I call backyarded up a little bit. And I think that's kind of a trend in, in scoring and flavors. But other than that, I think the, the, the profiles are the same. Just maybe a little bit more smoke and maybe just a little bit of char there at the end is, is, is kind of kicking that flavor up just a little bit more. You know, I remember when I had started doing the show 2006, 2007, uh, Week in, week out, there did seem to be quite a, a varying degree of what cooks were putting on their food. And then I forget exactly where it started, but it's certainly been here over the last number of years where it seems like everybody's running more or less the same type of flavor profile because they see teams like you and um, uh, your buddy Tim and Sterling and you know all the, the best teams out there. They want to do what's winning, too, because everybody wants to do what's winning, right? But is that a potential barrier for growth 
from a from a creativity standpoint when if you have somebody that's willing to take a risk and go outside of that homogenization as you call it uh, they're probably going to get penalized because also the judges are expecting something now at this point because a lot of it has remained the same yeah, well, I mean, since I've been in barbecue, I think that's been the case that, that you know, and I don't think it's necessarily a negative. I mean, everybody kind of jumps in there and says, oh, it's a meat contest. Well, that's truly, you know, the similar flavors truly boil you down to a meat contest. You've got to hit tenderness. If you don't get hit tenderness, you're sunk. Your flavors won't be right. You won't score the way you need to score. And so I don't know that it's a bad thing because it really is a focus on cooking the meat the more similar to flavors get. But I think they've always been that way. You know, in competition barbecue, you're not trying to make, like if you're there in the judging tent sitting at one of the tables, I'm not trying to make the best bite of barbecue that, that, that you know, you've ever had. I, what I'm trying to do is make a bite of barbecue that six different people from different backgrounds and different palates can agree on. And so when you taste some good food and you taste like, you know, you taste some of the great food, a lot of the times nothing stands out. It's just right down the middle. It's cooked perfectly. It's tender. It's juicy. And there's not a single flavor that you can pick out. And that's what tends to score. It may not be the best piece of barbecue that some of those people have ever had, but it's really consistent, really solid, really well-cooked barbecue. And I think when people realize that, I think they tend to start scoring better. I mean, you may have a flavor that you really love, but if it sticks out or if the judge is sitting there going, man, I love this thing, but, or I, you know, they're, they're thinking about it, then, then they're going to start writing down sevens and eights, and it only takes two judges to do that before it sinks you completely. Yeah, I guess the traditional mindset that I always struggle with, by the way, not a competition coach, um, is you want to stand out and have people go, that is the best bite of barbecue, but uh, to your point, if everybody's dealing with the same profile, the ones that stand out are the ones that are cooked the best, and that's where the, the cream rises to the top. So I certainly appreciate your uh, thought process on that. As I had mentioned, you've been out competing the past few weeks, but the majority of the country prior to that was staying home. At least a lot of us were. Then this reopen happens, and with that comes things like these barbecue events. So looking back on these past two weeks and these past two contests, how do these feel in contrast or comparison to the ones you were doing in 2019, for instance? Well, you know, as far as the teams go, I think it's pretty similar uh, as to what they were before. I mean, there's no public at the events, and the events that we've been going to haven't really been public-facing events anyway. So, you know, as far as that goes, it's the same. The teams are out doing the same. We've always been pretty socially distanced. You know, we, we get our, our 40 by 20 or, or whatever amount of space. And, and if we want to go and talk to somebody, we can. If we want to stay alone, we can. I think where the biggest difference is, is that, you know, you're wearing masks to turn in. You're required to put gloves on, a new pair of gloves when you go. You know, bring a bleach wipe with you. Wipe your box down. Uh, you know, the, from what I've noticed, and I haven't been inside the judging tent, but, you know, they're, they're supposed to be having uh, social distancing between the judges. So, I mean, there's been, been some changes and, and some uh, uh, things that have to happen. But I think the biggest difference is how deep in the well of judges that they're having to go to get people in that are comfortable judging. I know the one in Springfield, and I'm from Springfield, and that's where I started cooking. So some of the judges they had there at the contest were the same guys that were judging maybe like six, seven, eight years ago when I started <laughs> that I hadn't really seen in the judging tent for a long time. And uh, uh, they came back and judged just because the organizers had them on file and, and, and they brought them in and they were willing to come out. So I think we're getting a lot of new judges or judges that haven't judged in a long time. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think that kind of has been frustrating for some people, you know, just hearing the Internet chatter and, and maybe somebody uneven scoring. But I think the reason for that is that there's a lot of people that are, are doing favors, so to speak, to organizers just coming out to judge. 
Are you getting any specific instructions on staying so far apart or wearing facial coverings and, and gloves? Or if you're going to be in this area, you got to do this specifically. What kind of instructions are you getting as a team loading it? Yeah, so, I mean, it is, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with food, you're supposed to have a mask on. Uh, when you're running your food up to the judge's tent, you were supposed to wear a mask and, and gloves and, and a bleach wipe. And that, that's the, the official, you know, line. Everything else I've heard recommendations of not having the 922s and the, the 707s and the, you know, you can go on and on the, the, the Kelly Works 1035 or whatever it is. And, and, uh, you know, but they're not banning it. They're just suggesting it. And I think a lot of that is just covering, uh, you know, if I can say an ass covering going off from the events, you know, they've, they've got a, uh, uh, you know, they tell you what to do, but they're, they're not really enforcing that. The stuff, the judging tents being enforced, but the stuff between the teams, not really from what I've noticed. So I assume that since you go to these, you either agree with how they're staging these events and your safety isn't necessarily something that might come under compromise, or perhaps you don't think that it's an event that puts you in any real moderate or extreme risk? Yeah, I mean, the way I cook, I, I, I can tell you right now, and I, I appreciate the judges that come out and judge. I wouldn't judge one of these events right now, and, and that's just my personal stance. As far as my cooking, I'm pretty socially distanced, man. I got a 41-foot toy hauler I've been bringing in there. I sit in there, and, I, and I, you know, I'll talk to a few people. Uh, I'm, you know, I haven't been out venturing around or anything like that. So I, I don't, I, I'm not worried about myself, you know, catching, spreading, doing anything like that. Now, uh, that being said, you know, if, if there was a big event that had a big public and, and everybody was coming in there, you know, it might change it. But yeah, I, I feel pretty, pretty safe. I feel safer going to cook a barbecue contest than I do going to get groceries. Let's put it that way. I mean, I'm around, you know, less people and, and, and people that I, that I know. And, and, you know, I feel that if somebody had symptoms, uh, you know, they'd have the, the decency to stay home. So I, I feel very safe cooking the contest. Now, if I were a judge, I would, you know, absolutely want to have some of those social distancing measures and, and, and make sure some of that stuff was being being enforced uh, before I got in the judging tent. Brad, Memphis in May was canceled a few weeks ago. The Jack followed suit last week. Do you foresee an American Royal of any sort happening this year or any real remainder of a barbecue competition season? Well, I mean, I think the Royal is still up in the air. I think if they can, you know, the, the difference between the Jack and the Royal, uh, you know, of course, Memphis and Bay kind of falls somewhere in between is, is that, you know, the Jack has a different core business, you know, and there's really no win for Jack Daniels in holding a barbecue competition. You know, you're going to make half of the population mad for holding it. You know, you're going to make half the population happy for holding it. And it's just really not a win as far as uh, uh, from a PR perspective. Uh, the American Royal, uh, you know, contest is pretty core to that organization. So I think if they can get the participation and they can get the sponsors, I think that one will go off. Uh, you know, but I would say they definitely, the last email they sent out, they were kind of angling for their, you know, uh, potential to cancel because, you know, they, they, they're going to keep a $5 credit card administration fee or whatever to refund your money. And yeah. they were definitely signing, they were definitely lining it up that, that there's a chance that they will cancel. So I would put the Royal at about 50 50 right now, just because I think if they can turn a profit or, or just, uh, you know, get the get the PR and everything for it. I think it'll go down uh, if it gets to where a lot of sponsors and a lot of the big uh, uh, party tents and and whatever pull out. And I don't know what they're paying for the racetrack, but if it doesn't make sense financially, then obviously then they'll they'll pull the plug on it. Uh, as far as the big events goes, as far as other events goes, I mean, it's it. Who knows, right? They're starting a lot. Uh, 
come on board and, and, and we're starting to cook them, but now there's some spread, you know, I mean, you know, Texas is getting hit, Florida's getting hit, you know, parts of the Southeast are getting hit. I know, you know, along where I'm at, along the Arkansas border and, and, and Southern Missouri is getting a pretty good pop. So I could see uh health department starting to walk back some of these things and we might see a few more cancellations coming up. How's the restaurant doing? Well, we, we took it, we took a wall up there, uh, you know, for about six weeks, uh, and, uh, you know, while everybody's closed for six weeks to two months and, and, uh, but now really honestly, Branson, uh, uh, you know, the tourism's back in Branson and we've, we've actually seen sales increases the last, uh, two or three weekends. Uh, it seems like what's happening is we're not getting the long distance, uh, vacationers, but we're getting a lot of people from locals. So we're having big, big weekends. And then we kind of tail off a little bit on Mondays, Tuesdays, and then we ramp back up to the weekends and are having big weekends. So people are out traveling. Uh, people are enjoying themselves. You know, we've got a lot of lakes down there. So there's a lot of activities you can do, uh, socially distance and our takeout business has been obviously ridiculous. You know, we're still doing probably 50 to 60% of our business is still takeout. And, uh, you know, we're doing, you know, what we were doing last year for full tourists, you know, half of it takeout. So it's been, it's been, uh, uh, you know, an adventure, but, uh, you know, we, we live through and survive through phase one here and, and hopefully things don't have to lock back down because it's certainly, uh, it's very hard on restaurants when, when they lock down the economy, like they had to do. Where are you set to compete at next, Brett? I am going to the KCBS, that rib only contest up oh. at the home office this Sunday, uh, for the 5th of July. And then I'm going to take, um, a week off. And then my next main KCBS contest is going to be an Osceola. And it looks like that one's lining up. It's a double. And it's lining up to be a who's who. I think we've got, uh, you know, Matt Walker's coming up. We've got, uh, I think Joe Pierce is coming down. We've got uh, Old Virginia Smokes coming in all the way. I think he's flying in all the way from from the East Coast. So it's going to be, it's in a little campground about 60 miles north of where I live. And and it's it's shaping up to be one of the tougher contests of the year. So I can't wait for that one. All right, we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, In the meantime, you can catch Brad over at gettingbased.com. It is the pit master of that team, Brad Leininger, joining me here on the show. Brad, always appreciate the catch-up. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. You got it. There he is, Brad Leininger from Getting Basted. That guy brings energy. I mean, from a guest and a host standpoint, I mean, he, uh, A, knows what he's talking about, but he, he he's, a, he's a professional uh, getting interviewed, no doubt about it. Right on time. All the things that I love. Plus, uh, winning pretty well. So watch out at the KCBS office. Brad is riding a monster mojo for the ribs only contest. Ribs only contest. How about that? Before we wrap up the first hour, I'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, anyone who loves sausage and barbecue. That's me. I do. Established in 1882, Southside, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage, coarse ground and a natural pork casing, and their authentic Central Texas barbecued meats. All these meats, including the prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many real for many real hours. <laughs> Over real Texas post oak wood. Shipping nationwide via the online store southsidemarket.com. They ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide, by the way. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note mailed to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer when they arrive. All those meats are processed in their on-site USDA inspected facility. 
two restaurants to choose from if you want to test them out. Elgin, Texas since 1882. That was the first in Bastrop, Texas since 2014. You know, I don't know think about it. I think there's one in Austin now, too. Is that right? I'll have to double-check that and add it to the list. Grocery distribution through Texas, many surrounding states. If you're on SouthsideMarket.com and you want to save some cash, 10% off coupon code right now. As you're checking out, use code BBQ Central, all one word, lowercase. That's BBQ Central, and get 10% off your entire order. It's good this time and every single time that you go. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. You can do that on... The Fireboard 2 as well. The original Fireboard, the Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Right. Lance Owens was listening and watching the show, and now he's got to go to work. Darn it. Too bad. I am monitoring the chat, by the way. Diane Mee loves the cat that made a flying appearance. Four cats. I'm blessed with four cats. Thank God. So once again, I have found a device or app that allows me to see the Facebook rolling here, so... I'm seeing a lot of people talking about sending $5 to each other. A lot of people are down on COVID, which I appreciate. (laughs) Guys are being dragged. By the way, Lance, if you're listening, do what I told you the last time. Go to TuneIn or get the TuneIn app on your phone or go to the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then click the audio stream only button. That will take you right to the streaming page on TuneIn. And then you can listen to the show just like normal, like a regular traditional radio show. It's my favorite way to consume the show. I've said it time and time again. A lot of times I'll watch this show and I don't find it as enjoyable. But when I listen to the same segment on the way into work, just over the car speakers, I love it. It's a whole different show when you can't see it for the better. All right, thanks again to Brad Leininger from Getting Base to joining me last segment, talking about his last couple wins the last two weeks in a row. He's headed up to KCBS Corporate Headquarters to take part in that rib-only contest. And before Brad, we had Ryan Zabril from Pits and Spits. So if you missed the first hour, don't worry. It'll be podcasted tomorrow. Second hour, as always, on Thursday, Best Of, which I'll be talking about here in just a few short minutes on Friday. 
We're headed to the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.